be quite frank, a lot of these small teams may not even come out of the this six week hiatus yeah. because they rely on gate receipts, rely on people buying pies and programs, and if people aren't buying that for six weeks, then a lot of clubs will have serious difficulty paying the bills they've got to pay. So, yeah. as a fan of the grassroots game, um, yeah, yeah. I I really do hope that every team who's at that level manages to pull through and manages to survive over the next six to twelve weeks, depending on how long this stuff is off. Um, but as I said, yeah. a good one for the Camel Lairds. Our man Mike Furlong, he got a goal. Well, not he didn't go. No, not not goal. We got an assist. He, he set up the first goal. So he got an assist on the first goal. Um, even more gotten is we were supposed to. Me and my good lady were supposed to go down and see the Camel Lairds this weekend coming, literally yes. a couple of days from now. Um, and that that has been kicked to the curb as well. So that's three times we'll try to go and see them, and three times it has been unfortunately kiboshed by various elements of the the planet. Unfortunately, it's yeah. been sort of, it's been kicked in the kicked is, to the curb. Is this a trip that you've already spoke about reorganising, or is it pretty much done for this year, and it'll be more likely next season that you'll try and get? If they if they do if, like like you said, because if the season does kick off again, they start playing into June, then I'm sure I can I can get down for a weekend. That that wouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, yeah. it's, it's well or not the league season kicks off again, but I, I'm I'm pretty confident that. We we've enjoyed having the camel layers on the podcast doing stuff with it, so I'm, I think we will sponsor a player next year again. I think it'll be fun to. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so we'll do that then next year. But um, so I said, camel layers one three nil, the final game before the the the, big, the the world the worldwide shutdown of sport. Um, so happy with the win, and hopefully hopefully they're back in action in the next you know six to twelve weeks, and as the country starts yeah, hopefully turning to normal. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Now, I haven't been watching much at home right now because I've been have been busy at work and everything. So um, I haven't actually watched it at home. I'm sure that's going to change over the next few months, where I'll be watching, <laughs> where, where I will be ripping a hole out of Netflix and my DVD collection, and also the upcoming Disney Plus that's hitting the 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 boxes in the next few day, in the next week or so. Um, but for right now, I've not watched anything at home. Have you been watching anything of interest at, at home? Unfortunately, I'm on the same boat. Uh, no, I have not. I have not seen a single sausage. Okay. Uh, the only other tip that I can report, and it's really coming from the US, as you know, their cinemas are shut down as well. Yeah. Um, but figures have been released, and they actually seen a spike in like people signing up to like different uh, streaming services. Because oh. as you know, like the kids are spending more time at home now, Dude, totally. especially in in the UK because the schools are now shut. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there seem like a real boost in numbers, and as you know, some studios have also put their films onto the streaming sites as well for like um, twenty odd pound. Yeah, which is fine if you're a big family, a wee bit on the steep side if you're just sitting there, Billy No Mates, because you're quarantining yourself. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, Invisible Man's on it. Um, I think Emma was one on it as well, and there's something else I remember seeing get released. The Hunt, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And I did think twenty pound. For, for a 48 hour pass to view that does seem a little bit extreme yeah. um, because that's even if it's a even if it's a couple watching it that's still pretty much tying in with um, cinema prices cinema prices yeah it, so, it, it seems a bit steep to me um, and I don't I can't imagine many people taking that option up I think like you said with you know Netflix and you know Hulu and all these kind of things and Amazon Prime people will certainly jump onto them because they've got so much content that you can 
if you can't find something to watch on that, you've got a real problem. I know people will spend hours just scanning through to pick something, but I think that's yeah, yeah. I think that shows you the, the, the pure amount of content that it's got that you can spend so long looking through to try to find something to watch. But there is plenty yeah. to watch out there. Um, so I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're all guilty of it because I know I certainly am. Like many a night, I've spent searching for something on Netflix or Amazon or whatever it is to simply just like about an hour later simply just turn the thing off and just go to bed because I've spent an hour trying to find something I really really want to watch yeah. and not not found it whatever that yeah. may be and I've, I've got a list of like 900 films that I want to watch but yeah for some reason I've scanned past all I'm looking for some other perfect movie to watch tonight it's, it's, it's a very odd thing to do but I am, I'm determined I'm, I'm, if, if I'm going to be having to stay at home for an extended period of time then you, you, you want to be the first guy to complete Netflix, don't you? That's you what I do. do. That 100% Dude, I've, I've, got, I've got two goals when I'm doing that. I want to finish. Le- I want to complete all missions and side missions of Jurassic Park Lego, and I want to finish nice. Netflix. That's that's my, that's my two that's my two goals. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll get onto the whole cinema closing thing in a wee bit. We'll discuss that at yeah. the end. But right now, um, we'll, I'll talk about two films that were in the cinema. Um, people probably won't get to see them now, but if you if they do drop on streaming services in the next couple of weeks maybe worth looking out um, or indeed when it comes to them hitting DVD and stuff like that in a few months time maybe you'll consider watch, uh, watching them um, so the first one we're going to look at is uh, Fantasy, Highland, Fantasy Island um, actually tagged Bloomhouse's Fantasy Island so obviously if you know Jason Bloom he's the guy who does all the sort of horror films and you know it's one, you, it's one that you like to purge so they kind of purge yeah. stuff and all that kind of, all the kind of films done obviously Get Out recently Us and Done a lot. Done a lot of different stuff. So this film, it's um, directed by Jeff Wardlow, who directed Kickass Two, um, Cry Wolf, and Truth or Dare. So some a kind of eclectic mix there. And the plot of the film is essentially people. It's based on an old TV show. If you remember the old TV show, I don't think you will. I, I barely have. I, I call them know this TV show. I only know it's sort of. It's one of the things that's always referenced on other other movies, and like other like Family Guy done a whole riff on it at one point, where it's people go to an island. And when they go to the island, there's a fantasy that they want to live out comes to life, but there's usually a sort of a twist to it. You know, if if you want to be, if you want to be rich and famous, that will happen, but you will also be pursued by the paparazzi day in day out, and you know it makes your life a living hell. You know, uh, okay, right? yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's always a wee twist on it. Um, so in this one, people will go to an island, start living out the fantasies, and there's a there's a twist to what the fantasy is, and and how they're and how the, the people on the island are all connected to each other. Okay. Um, and the film you get Michael Pena. He plays the, the guy who runs the island. Um, also got Maggie Q. She plays a visit, um, one of the women who come to the island. Uh, Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars and from Truth or Dare as well. She pops up as, a, as another guest. Um, Austin Storo pops up. So it's Jimmy O. Yang and Michael Rooker pops up as a sort of fly in the ointment. So. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the words to describe this film because it's. It's, oh yeah, um, it's it feels like a very tired movie. Like it feels like it's struggling to even define what it is for most of it. Oh um, no! I absolutely understand the rebranding of it into what it is because I think uh-huh. you're kind of trying to update it to a slightly more modern audience. You know, you've got uh-huh. you've, you've got a sort of brand recognition there of like the title. People people go, oh yeah, I remember that. I I, I vaguely know of that title of a TV TV show called Fat Island, but. I'm willing to bet most people don't actually know what the show was about because it was on in the 1970s and 1980s. You know, so most people who are watching it aren't really, I'm not kidding about the movie. So, yeah. the, sort of the rebrand into sort of a horror as such, 
was it's not the worst idea I've seen. It's, it's, it makes some amount of sense, but it was just done such a dull way. You know, it, it never really pitched itself to know if it was a horror or if it tried to be a more a comedy horror. You know, you oh, you okay. kind of had you've got two characters who play a kind of comedy role off each other, and then you've got someone playing it almost way too serious, and it feels like you need to find that middle ground of like, are you is everyone aware of the joke? Or is no one going to adhere to the joke? Yeah. You know, play it totally straight, and because you get that, that too much of a mix between the two of them, it feels uh-huh. kind of it feels like tonally it feels very very off and, and doesn't really ever sort of niche together that well. That's a wee bit disappointing to be honest. That like it's that divided with the cast. It's like you think after like a couple of takes they would pull them all to the side and be like, guys, pick a side here. It's like. You're either going for this or you're going for that. It's I think just it's don't stay in the middle because then it doesn't make uh, it comes across awkward and weird. I I think the yeah, problem with like, it is that because the stories are all relatively separate for them for a chunk of the movie, uh-huh. is they might have not had much many filming days together. Uh, okay. Uh, Which in that uh, case it so comes in that case that's a, that's the director's issue of like he's it's his job to get the tone right and, and get the before and to. to request a performance that he thinks will fit and mesh together and that doesn't seem to have come across in this one um, the plot threads are all very inconsistent as to what the, the rules of the island are and like how it works and and how the how the, the connections all happen and it makes some pretty completely insane twists that make no sense that you felt like right let's try and trick the audience by just throwing more and more completely random stupid stuff at the screen and they'll think we're clever and smart and it's like no nah, it just feels like you, you don't know how to end the film and you try to throw uh, as much at it. Jill, as yeah. is known to do, is fell asleep during the film. Um, <laughs> she woke up for the final 15 minutes and then went and then you're going, oh, that didn't really make any sense. What was it about? I'm going, to be honest, I was watching the film for an hour and a half and I'm still pretty perplexed by what the twists and turns were trying to achieve. So it kind of tells you what the, kinda, the level of the film was. Um, so what you're saying is this uh, pandemic might have actually done this film a favour then? Yes, I think it, it, it did get a bit shafted by critics and, and sort of it's disappeared a little bit now and, and think that's probably best. It may be one of those films that maybe find a home on your Netflix or your Amazon, but certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly not great. And it has a thing that me and you have always said we dislike and hate. It's that presumptuous sequel baiting at the end. Oh, no. And you're like, you have you are been very cocky about making a, a sequel to a film that people yeah. might not be going for and I don't think you're entirely confident when you release it. In fact, it's getting ditched at this time of year as well, indicates they're not that confident in it. But to have the fucking gumption to put a, a, a sequel thing in there, like, oh, that is cocky. And I get why Bloomhouse is known for that. You know, he had, he, I mean, how many epimis Pudge films are there now? Four? Oh. Five? Yeah, so I think we might actually be past four now because I've kind of went off my crazy tangent. Yeah, and you've got that TV show that's on Amazon that's about ropey as well. Exactly. So but yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know, Blumhouse, he knows how to, to spin a a franchise. He knows how to to milk yeah. it for the money it's what uh, money it's got. And and me and Paul were actually um, giving him a lot of credit for what he does sometimes. And in, in some films he can do it well, but this one, very very poor, very very average, very far below average. Just sort of just a very nondescript dull watch uh, especially when you look at the box office figures obviously I now know like cinemas have been cancelled but it's like and it's like opening US week oh sorry it was made for 7 million and then 
uh, in the gross US it made like twenty six million. So it's like it's not made a massive profit. It's not. It's made, but it's made profit, but not a lot. You know. Not Especially a lot. Because there's nothing major out at the moment. You know. I think that's most disappointing. If it's not much else, you can maybe try to corner that market. But if you think about it, if you for every if I, for every pound. If you give me a pound of every pound you give me, I give you three pounds back. That's you, you'd be quite happy with that. Yeah. You know, so it, it maybe adheres to the Blumhouse idea of like we'll make every film we make makes more money than it costs to make it. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not one of the pubs films where it, like you know it makes a hundred and fifty million or something. It's not definitely not on that level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would give it a very very lowly four out of ten. Yeah, as well. Oh, well. I, I don't think we'll be seeing that in your top ten then this year. No, that will not be the top ten. I don't think you'll be looking for it on any of your, your streaming apps anytime soon. You you can give that one a, a very much a wide berth. <laughs> um, second film, the last film in the cinema this week that I saw was a film called Misbehaviour, um, directed by Philippa Lonethorpe, who directed Swallow and Amazons, which was out a few years ago, which I really quite enjoy. Very sweet, very lovely film, um, and also mm-hmm. does episodes of The Crown on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, which I think uh, might one of the things that I'm probably will end up watching over the next two weeks for some bizarre reason. Um, well, uh, if my records, cor- if my records are correct, I, I'm sure I've flung a few suggestions at you that you've said you've added that last. I, so I'd like to hope that there's a few good suggestions before you get to the crown. I oddly, I know people who are very sort of anti-monarchy, anti-establishment, who have said they watch the crown and very much enjoy it. So I'm very intrigued by people. The people who I know okay. like it are also the guys you know who will mosh at a punk gig. Yet they're sitting at home watching the crown now. Um, so it's <laughs> with a strong cup of tea. Ah, it's, 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 it's a very odd mix. But anyway, so that may not have been my thing. But anyway, Philip alone thought directed that. Um, misbehavior. The plot of misbehavior is about the Miss World contest in 1970, um, and there's sort of two dual stories. One is the fact that there's sort of a, the women's liberation movement is going to picket it and going to protest at it and um, sort of shine a light on the fact that it's sort of it basically treating women as cattle and sh- basically showing them off. And obviously, like most of these beauty pageants, not showing women for what they are, but what they're you know what they look like essentially. So yes. that's. That's part one. That's one of the stories. The other story is that for the first time, there was sort of there was a a black South African in it. Um, women sort of um, so they the show was the, the whole thing was accused of being sort of anti-apartheid. Uh, oh, sorry, pro-apartheid. Sorry, because it was it was only allowing like white South Africans into it. So they kind of come up with the idea of like having a, a black South African and a white South African in it and trying to show that they're not racist because they're. Um, um, you also had people from um, uh, sort of Caribbean islands who'd won independence from Britain. They were competing for the first time. Again, they were obviously they were again coloured um, competitors, which obviously was quite new for the, the show itself. It never had one before, and definitely no one ever won. Um, and in this, it's not a spoiler to tell you. And the, the whole point of it is that the woman who's from Grenada um, wins it for the first time. It's the first coloured um, woman to win the Miss World contest, and it's sort of her story going through it as well. You've also got the the presenter of it, um, a guy called Bob Hope, American entertainer, or British-born American entertainer, and it's him sort of presenting it for the first time in a few in like a decade. Where previously he'd done it here in an affair with the Miss World, and his wife's not particularly happy about him being in the show again. And it's it's sort of it's it's their story as well. Um, in the film, Keira Knightley, she plays at like, the head of the women's liberation movement um, alongside oh. Jesse Buckley. 
Uh, you get Gugu uh-huh. Mubarak Raw from Bell, who plays like the woman from Grenada. I, can't, I honestly can't remember her name, and I apologise for that. Who plays one of the Miss World contestants? Um, Reese Fans plays the guy who puts the show on, um, and you've got Greg Kinnear playing Bob Hope. Now, the first thing you probably notice is like it took a lot of time to explain what was going on in this film. Like, just like sort of. Yeah, it doesn't seem quite as just straightforward as a group of women uh, protesting a Miss Beauty World contest. There seems to be quite a few angles that's coming up. There is a fuck ton of plot in this. Like, there's a lot yeah. of, there's a, and because of that, I think that was really to its detriment. Was there was so many angles on this that it felt you could at least lose two of these stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would probably it's almost like it's bogging itself down. Totally enough, yeah. and nothing really gets the the recognition it deserves uh, to be an interesting story. So, the Bob Hope story of him presenting for the first time um, and his wife, or second time, and his wife sort of, and it's, it, it, could be, it could be a really interesting sort of study of like an ageing marriage and, you know, how a marriage changes and develops over time and how, you know, something that happened in the past is forgiven to some extent but not forgotten and it's, it's and it could be sort of a study on, on their on their, on their their life and, and what their life, the future holds for that this couple because they are sort of in the late, to be mid to late sixties at this time, so that they're a wee bit older. Mm-hmm. But because it's only on screen for like five minutes, that seems completely lost. So you could have totally lost that story. That could, ah, be, okay. that could be completely gone. The story regarding the fact that it's a white South African and a black South African, and then also the story about the women from Grenada competing in it as well. Those two feel kind of like the same story. Mm-hmm. So. I would have lost a South African story. Have it tangentially mentioned if you want to put it in the in the thing, like you know, have it in the in the in the world in the sort of in the sort of idea of the show, but don't focus on it for any great attention. So I would have, if I were going to do it, I would have boiled it down to the story of the liberation movement and the competitor from Grenada who was going to win it for the first time. That's the kind yeah. of two main stories, and those are the two main stories, and they probably take up out of the screen time maybe seventy five percent of the screen time. The other twenty five percent of these other two stories, but because you're losing twenty five percent of the film for these other two stories, it just feels like what was the point in them? It doesn't feel like it was necessary at all. Yeah, yeah, ah, it's, yeah, that, that's a bit weird. They obviously thought there wasn't it wasn't strong enough with what they had, yeah. so they just kept on adding to it, and then yeah, that's a bit bizarre. You're you're hundred percent correct. That's it. That's exactly what it feels like they've done. It feels like they just they have just sort of panicked and going, do we have enough to fill out an hour? And, you know, an hour and forty minutes. Do we have enough for that, or just throw this bit of story in that will sort of pad it out a little bit? Or we can get Greg Kinnear in it. Like he's a good actor. Let's put him in it. He'll he'll enjoy playing Bob Hope. That will you know plump the story up a little bit. And he's good. He plays Bob Hope really well, and he's funny at it. And he's clever at it, but it just didn't feel necessary. You could easily have had the Bob Hope role, basically being archive footage. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than having him actually interacting with people. Um, the cast are all really good though. Keira Knightley's very good. Uh, Jessie yeah. Buckley, who's becoming one of my favourite actresses now, she's also excellent in it. Um, Gugu Mbath Raw, who I'm a big fan of, especially after Belle, she is fantastic in it, and she plays a real sense of like she has a real civility and a real sort of nobleness to her role, even though she knows she knows it's not just a beauty contest she's competing to her, it's something more. You know, it's her, course, yeah. it's her nation getting recognition on a global stage. Yeah, and they they, they don't sort of. They touch on it, but don't delve enough into enough this idea of opposing feminism. Not mm. being against it, but there is more than one way to be feminist. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, so the the, the protests obviously are very much against the pageant. They, and I think most people are now against pageants. They do seem a little bit 
Arcade, yeah. Yeah, and when you're watching this stuff, it's horrible. You know, it's like, it's like they do a swimsuit competition. They're forcing us to turn around so that everybody can see their asses as they walk off stage and they're yeah. demeaning to the girls. You go, it's, it does feel. And they mention the film, the only place where another animal is like sort of weighed, put on display, and sort of talked about in this way is at a cattle market. You know, it's that's what it feels like, and it feels kind of horrible. It does feel wrong to watch it. This is how like out of touch I am with like most of the world. I realise it's like. The beauty pageants even still happen. Oh yeah, still, like, still, yeah, still, still a thing. Oh god, I mean, come on. I think Miss, I'm pretty sure Miss World is still a thing as well. You know, uh, to some, uh, you know, so yeah, it's still going around. Um, and but then you've also got the the beauty contestants sort of idea of feminism, and it's sort of like when they when she's doing it, she feels she's doing it. It's an empowering thing. It's it's going to open up so many doors for her. It's going to open up so many opportunities, and it's. Putting her country on a, on the global, cal in the global vision, you know, yeah. when people don't even know who this country is, and they never really reconcile the two halves. I mean, maybe there is no reconciliation. Maybe there is nothing. Maybe that you can. Maybe you can't really have your cake and eat it with this thing. And you only really, you only literally get one scene between two characters that even attempts to sort of bring the two worlds together. Uh, okay. And I felt you needed, needed more than that because ultimately I don't think you don't blame the women in it for doing what they do because to them it, it's a chance to get a leg up. Yes. But equally, you understand when other women say, "Well, clearly it's judge people only on how they look; it's not based on anything else." Which again, one hundred percent accurate as well. So you can't really be against either or. You can't. You can be against the show, but not the competitors in it, and it's hard to argue against the. The, the protesters, you know, so it, it, it just feels that there was they could they could have done more with maybe having some maybe some sort of more relationship between the two characters, and maybe people tell me in real life they never really met, and this is why you had to have a separate story and what they might be more true to life. Totally get that, uh, but as a yeah, movie, okay. you can maybe show a bit more artistic license of what what it was doing. Yeah, of course, because let's be honest, most of the time Hollywood really stretches that true events uh, line quite thin. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say about it was that it does feel a little bit TV movie at times, you know, sort of it does it doesn't feel quite cinematic enough, which I thought was a bit of a shame. Um, okay. And the other thing that annoyed me a little bit about it was it does this thing. I think you've seen a few films like this as well, where at the end you have the actors interacting in some way with the real life person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that takes me right out the film when I see that because it, it it breaks down that fourth wall. I've, I've no problem. Yeah. Like, I've no problem like, over the credits having like a, a like a wee coda, a wee PS, and then showing pictures yeah. of the people. That's totally fine. But when you have the people in the film actually almost reacting to the real life person, it, it to me, it, it, I, I I don't like it. I, I totally lose sort of the the world that I'm in at that point. Yeah, I couple like I'm definitely in the favour of having like whether it be pictures or even like a little bit of like silent movie Aye. with a bit of text or something yeah. like anything but yeah that's quite weird right uh, yeah I can see why that could be quite jarring after however long this movie runs for like, an hour and something it's, um, I can like see how that could be quite jarring yeah. you've just sat there and watched a movie now you're sitting there watching the credits and the folk in the Fake characters that are interacting with the real character, you're just about like, oh. Yeah, not a fan of it. Um, yeah, overall, the, overall, the film is nice. It, it's, it, I would say the trailer sold it more of a comedy to an extent, like more of a sort of like black comedy. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot darker, a lot sort of more of a drama than what the trailer made it out to be. Um, but 
I, I've been overly negative on it. I think I, I actually did enjoy it, and I, I enjoyed for the most part what it was trying to do. And I think any film that tries to do something like this, even if it doesn't quite 100% succeed, is still worth its time. And, it's, and if it made it made me go and at least look into the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, well, there you go. At least you've got something from it. Aye, so I got I, that's that's supposed to solve sort of a good thing. If it makes you want to go and learn more about it, then you're probably doing okay. That that's that, that's that's a good thing about it. Alright. Yeah. Um. So a very average six and a half out of ten. Oh, six and a half. Six well, and a half. That's not bad. Like, yeah. You know, for a movie that's kind of been sold in the trailers, one thing ended up being another thing. You know, mm. I'd say that's okay. Yeah. Mm. You know? Um. But yeah, but that's pretty much it for this week. So next week, as we've discussed in the well, also a few moments ago, there's nothing out. There is. <laughs> there's nothing to watch. Um. And what will Richard do with his time? That's well, what we're all intrigued by. <laughs> I swear to God, right? See, when seeing the thing come out, was it Tuesday the cinema shot, wasn't it? It was Tuesday they got announced it was shot. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday. Tuesday. I shit you not, dude. I had about 15 people email me at work. <laughs> I had, I think you text me, I'm sure Jill texted me. I had at least four or five other people text me or left a message on my Twitter. You know, yeah. genuinely feeling for me and it felt like, I, I know I've got, I know, and, and, I am into cinema in a big mad way and this is genuinely it's actually really tough for me yeah 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 Um, it's it's like you get into a routine you know it's like whether it be you finish work or if it's your day off yeah you go to the cinema so it's like yeah I totally get it it's one of those things where like everyone's particularly nowadays everyone's talking about like sort of the mental health of people you know what gives you good mental health what allows you to sort of process and reassess and just yeah. feel it calm in the world. You climb a mountain now and again. You know, you, you go hill walking. Some people I know, you know, play football. Some people I know will go fishing or do something like that. Yeah. T- see, to me, I need to go to the cinema at least two or yeah. three times a week. That is my decompression. That is what makes a little bit of sense to things for myself. And if I don't get yeah, yeah. If, if I don't do that for a couple of weeks, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen very often, but I, I do feel edgy. I feel angsty. I feel a bit kind of off. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, when I get it, it's like, it's like, it's like a, a form of escapism. Yeah. And it's like, many a time we've had the conversation about how certain movies, when they get released, you will avoid certain screenings because you know the crowd are going to be fucking arseholes. Yeah. So, I, you know, yeah, I, want, I totally get it. I want that detachment in the film. You feel it's set in a dark room, screen, screen dominating me, and that's all my attention's on. Yeah. For two... I think that's why cinema will never truly die away. A bit like vinyl. Yeah. In that sense, it will never truly die away because you'll always get the people who love having that full experience, you know? I don't think cinema... I think the cinema that I enjoy might die off eventually because I think everyone wants to watch The Avengers on a big massive screen. They want to watch the James Bond on a big massive screen. Not everyone is quite as bored about watching... You know, what the fuck have you watched recently? Watching misbehaviour on a on a yes. big screen, whereas I do. I I want it on a big screen. I, I yeah, want to yeah. see, I want to see it. I feel that's where a film should be seen. You yeah. know, and Netflix is great. Netflix does some wonderful things. We've discussed in the past, but sometimes I'm watching a film going, I wish I'd seen this in the cinema because I felt it, it, it would have probably added something more to it, or indeed maybe maybe judge it more fairly because it'd be like, well, I watched it at home, so I got it for free. 
so I'll be less harsh on it when I'm going, no, if I watched it in the cinema, I'd probably be a lot harsher on this film. You know? Um, I, it just, it's, it's a really weird time just now, dude, um, that I can't go to the cinema, because it really is, a, it sounds dumb, but it's a massive part of what I do. Like, on, on, on over the course of my week, over the course of my life, and, and my, you know, it's, I go to cinema maybe 150, maybe close to 200 times a year. You know, if, if you take that away, you get your money's worth. I think your money's worth out of it, yeah. But you know, if I go to cinema 200 times a year, that's that's more than that's like once every two second day I'm going to cinema. <laughs> you know, so that is brilliant. You know, so when, when that's taken away from me, it's it, it's really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. We'll get through it. You know, I'm always at the end of my phone. I know, I know, and it does seem pay when people when people are dealing with other things. You know, people are dealing with you know really more serious things. You know, about life and this virus and like how they can't you know pay their bills and look after their kids and they're having to Why decide. Why can't Stuff like that. You know, when people are dealing with real, real, real proper problems, and I'm moaning about the fact I can't go and sit in a cinema twice a week. That's it. Does seem silly, but it means something to me. And everyone's everyone's problems are relative. Absolutely. This is my like major the last, issue. Like, week, we've been struggling with having crap internet in the house. Yeah. For absolutely no, for no reason whatsoever. It just one day decided I'm going to be the most intermittent internet you've ever mm. had in your life. So you know, I totally get it. It's like I hate not having internet. Yeah. It's because it's such a large part of it. Everything kind of evolves around having a connection. Yeah. So it'd be quite easy to break me all you need to do is just take away the internet yeah. and that's me broken like I'm the same like if I'm right now if someone asked me if we'll put the cinema back on if you confess to murder I'd probably confess to murder right now you know yeah. and this is only this is only day two you yeah. know but <laughs> we're day two of what could be 12 weeks this is going to be a fucking long 12 weeks oh god I know <laughs> um, thankfully when it comes back there'll be a lot out and a lot to go and see so that'll be exciting yeah um, what, obviously like the, the bigger problem is is with all these like cinemas being shut at the moment and the studios halting a lot of films are filming it's pushing everything back it's all these like as you know Marvel like to have one big massive like universe getting built yeah. where movies get released and TV shows all of this is now getting pushed further and further back yeah that's that's the problem and what will happen is you'll have too many films come out at the one time that are big releases that a lot of even sm- like small releases will not get any yeah. screen time yeah. So yeah, they'll absolutely just get buried. Because buried. The minute everything goes back to normal, it'll, all companies will be hell for leather trying their best to like get everyone to come back to them. You know exactly, and that that's that's gonna be it's the big like Black Widow will still come out, James Bond will still come out. Yeah. But there's stuff that. I'm not really sure of right now. I don't actually. I can't even think of titles right now because it might be something that's maybe hit. That maybe, like you know, Sundance, not Sundance. South by Southwest get cancelled. Yeah, Something yeah. big might come out of South by Southwest that might not get released now in the cinema because it's not been seen by anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, Sundance is probably up in the air to some extent. Now, Can is still up in the air at this point in time. You know, Glasgow Film Festival, yeah. which is got some um, has you know premium stuff. It's I don't know if it's cancelled now. It's finished. It just finished now. But I think numbers were down on it. Compared. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, so definitely. yeah, so it just it, there's that middle ground of films that are like sort of off the beaten track that are going to probably I think get more lost now than they ever have been, which is a, a real, real shame for not your once a month cinema goers, but for the people who go to cinema three, four times a week who are avid who love the medium of film. They're yeah, gonna, the but, people but, that can go and enjoy a movie more than just a big uh, 
superhero blockbuster or whatever's hot that summer. Exactly. Halloween. Exactly. That's people are missing out right now, and hopefully it opens back soon. But I'm I'm on edge right now, Barry. I won't lie. Oh God. Oh no. Yeah. Um, also, more importantly, what's this going to do for three beers in a movie? That's probably the question we're all concerned about right now. Um, I'm sure the podcast can evolve into something. I think that's what we have to do. Over the next few weeks, we have to evolve into something. I think maybe what we'll, I think I'm going to try and convince um, our boy Stu to do some podcasts with me, some um, yeah, some, yeah. some director focuses. We've got a few of them put out. Um, yeah. Well, what, gonna... what you could do is even like, if you're if you're struggling for content, you could also just put out like. A, a small list of movies we can all watch at home. That then, that's the next one we. I think we're doing. Well, maybe I'll maybe if, I'm, if we know you do something one week, I'll just say to you, Colin. We'll just I'll give you a list of three Netflix things or three Amazon things. Yeah, yeah. We'll sit and watch them, and we'll we'll bring them to the floor at some point. That way, we've seen them all. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah, so that's us for this week, man. Um, where to find us? Yeah, all the usual social media haunts: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at. Three beers in a movie. Thank you very much. For this week, I've been Richard, you've been... <coughs> and you've been listening to... Three beers in a movie.